Everyone, remain calm. Yeah. Ooh. Ah. That's how it always starts. And later, there's running and screaming. World. You're listening to the Jurassic Park Podcast. You want to consult here or in my bungalow? <laughs> Hold on to your butt. Well, we're back. Hello. And welcome to the 34th episode of the Jurassic Park Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Jost, and we're here to discuss all things Jurassic Park. In this episode, we have a ton of news, a great update on all the best 2015 dinosaur news, and a discussion with Sabrina and Garrett from I Know Dino, the Big Dinosaur Podcast. We also have some listener emails, and we'll wrap things up with a preview of Sabrina and Garrett's Top 10 Dinosaurs of 2015. Now, my recorder failed this week while doing the interview with Sabrina and Garrett, but luckily they backed me up with a recording and sent it over to me. So thank you guys so much for the save. I also want to say we finally started up a Facebook page, so make sure you go search for us, or you can just type in facebook.com slash Jurassic Park Podcast. Make sure to go give us a like over there, because we're starting a really great community, and I want to make sure that you all join in. So why don't we get things started off with a bit of Jurassic news from around the world. 18 minutes and your company catches up on 10 years of research. Access me. Access me security. These pictures were taken in hospital in Costa Rica 48 hours ago. I don't want to jump to any conclusions, but look. Boy, my head being right all the time. But today, I guarantee it. Billionaire Wang Jinlin has bought the co-producer of Jurassic World, Legendary Entertainment, for $3.5 billion. Now, this is a huge deal for Legendary, and it gives them a bit more financing on the back end. Uh, So it does mean that there may be a bit more Chinese influence on the American film market at this point. Uh, Recently, we have seen a lot of big-budget films, uh, such as Transformers, The Dark Knight, uh, among many others, they have held scenes within China to absorb some of that Chinese market and make money overseas. Now, with this deal, it's very easy to imagine that any legendary produced films will give China more than a quick scene or a small cameo from one of the Chinese actors. Um, now, do any of you remember out there, there was an original plot of Jurassic World. It revolved around them finding a new skeleton in China, uh, and I believe it was at the beginning of the film. You know, it really makes me wonder if that scene will find its way into the sequel somehow. Uh, If you want, you can go take a look at the story within the link to our show notes. Many people have taken to the internet to bash Jurassic World director Colin Trevorrow after hearing the Change.org petition to have him not direct Star Wars Episode Nine. Now, if you've actually looked into the petition, it was not so much about trashing Colin as it was just to get George Lucas back in the director's chair. Now, Colin came in here and he responded pretty calmly to the uh, the whole debacle. Here's a few quotes from Colin directly. It says, It's funny. I saw that. 
And it was on a day where I was at Lucasfilm giving this big speech to everyone about how we want to channel the invention and just the raw creativity that that was the boldness that George brought to these films and not being afraid that we're going to embarrass ourselves by doing something that might be crazy. He also goes on to say, When George Lucas made Star Wars, a lot of people thought it was crazy. When you try to pitch what that movie's about, if you've never heard of Star Wars before, you say, here's a character, his father's part robot, but he can also do magic. And then there's this guy who can fly in a spaceship and he's got a dog for a friend. It sounds insane, but it's the greatest story ever told. I just want to embrace that kind of invention and creativity that he brought to it. All right, here's the thing. The petition in no way will work. So to me, it just seems like another thing to make Colin feel bad even though he's, he's, he seems like a pretty stand-up guy and he really handled this situation well. Now, I think the guy needs a break from all the internet trolls, so I just want to petition all the listeners out there to tweet at Colin and let him know he did a great job with Jurassic World and that we are really excited to see his take on Star Wars. In other petition news, many have been pushing to see the rematch of the Spinosaurus vs. T-Rex battle that resulted in the death of the T-Rex in Jurassic Park 3. Now, the rematch has been gaining its detractors and supporters. Uh, Colin Trevorrow even responded to the campaign on Twitter saying, Noted, my friend. Now, I really don't take that as any kind of confirmation for the next film. And personally, I do not want to see this happen. I think we've already seen it. um, And just because we don't like the way it ended doesn't mean we need to see it again or see the T-Rex win this time. Uh, But what do you all think? I'll post a link to the Facebook group in the show notes if you're on board for this sort of rematch. A little while back, we heard that J.A. Bayona was being pulled in to direct the sequel to Jurassic World, but that his commitments with World War Z got in the way. Well, that doesn't seem to be a problem anymore as he has dropped out of the zombie film sequel. Does this mean Universal will get the director that they wanted? Who knows? but it seems kind of likely that they could pull him in at this point. What do you think about J.A. Bayona possibly getting the job? Now, you can go and find a link to the story in our show notes. It looks like the track is complete on the new Jurassic Park ride, The Flying Dinosaur, in Universal Studios Japan. The coaster is set for opening in early 2016 sometime, uh, so I expect to see some more news floating around sometime soon. In the meantime, you can head to our show notes and find a link to the pictures of the completed track. Last week, the Oscars announced their nominees for the award show later next month. Well, Jurassic World did not come away with any nominations, unfortunately. Uh, Now, many of you, of course, have shouted out online, bashing the film, saying it didn't deserve any nominations. But I think a lot of you will agree with me by saying it could have at least deserved an original score nomination. Michael Giacchino did an amazing job with the score, blending the new with the old, and I know many of you have enjoyed it immensely, as have I. Now, I, uh, I think it could have garnered a visual effects uh, nomination, possibly something with sound editing, uh, but it's a shame the film didn't come away with anything. Uh, but typically, films like this in this genre are not nominated in any way, so hopefully there's some better luck next time. An awesome new exhibit has opened up in New York's American Museum of Natural History. Now, the Titanosaur has been brought to life in the halls of the museum, spanning a ginormous 122 feet. It's a newly discovered species that doesn't have an official name just yet, but you can go and visit the 3D printed cast dinosaur in its insanely huge scope at the museum. 
as it will be there for a long time coming. Now, if you get a chance to go see it, let us know. I'm sure we'll be heading down there soon with a full report. You can find a link to the awesome pictures and the article within our show notes. Oh, there it is. There it is. Let's open up the doors to the visitor center where Sabrina and Garrett from I Know Dino, the big dinosaur podcast, talk dinosaur news from 2015. Two thousand fifteen was an amazing year for fans of Jurassic Park, but we also can't forget about how amazing it was for Dinosaur News. So this week, I wanted to discuss some of the best dinosaur news from two thousand and fifteen. So I brought back Sabrina and Garrett from I Know Dino, the uh, Big Dinosaur Podcast. So guys, uh, do you think two thousand fifteen was a good year for dinosaurs? Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't usually get to cover too much um, in our news section. I try to focus mostly on Jurassic Park stuff, but every now and then I'll throw in some some news here and there. Um, but you guys on your show, you tend to cover everything, and uh, and I love that about your show. So I listen every week, and uh, hopefully everybody out there goes and finds your show if they haven't already, since we had you guys on previously. So uh, um, I think you guys are the best ones to discuss this stuff, so uh, let's get into some of it. So there was a lot of Uh, different dinosaur discoveries throughout the year. What do you guys know about them? So my favorite dinosaur discovery was this dinosaur called Dakota Raptor. And yeah, it's got a good name. Raptor is always a good starting point. (laughs) So so this one, it's a lot like the quote unquote Velociraptor from Jurassic Park that I think we mentioned is more like a Utah Raptor. It's similar in size. Um, It definitely had big strong feathers on it so Mm. they were even debating about what it used its feathers for like maybe it trapped prey with them or like held its babies in like a pen using its Mm -hmm. yeah because it couldn't fly yeah it couldn't fly but there were were like abnormally strong feathers on its forearms and then it uh, had a huge claw just like um, Deinonychus and all those Utah Raptor Velociraptor did and it was really fast. They could tell that it was like one of the fastest dinosaurs and really powerful. It had, you know, a strong mouth and it was around at the very end of the Cretaceous. So it was in there with T-Rex and in the same formation, which meant that there would have probably been packs of these kind of fighting against T-Rex and possibly taking them down. So nice. Wow. Pretty awesome. That's uh, that's pretty brutal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They show like in Jurassic World, they have the scene where the Velociraptor, Deinonychus, or Utah Raptor, or whatever, is attacking the T-Rex. But mm-hmm. uh, they weren't around at the same time. So this is the first time we've seen a really big raptor and T-Rex in the same spot. Oh, yeah, possibly, like, encountering each other in that same era. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people tend to to view dinosaurs with uh, with wings and, and feathers and stuff like that as, like, not so scary. But this one that you just described sounds pretty terrifying. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I don't want to come across a pack of those ones. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, imagine if it trapped you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, with, God. Yeah, with its super strong wings or whatever it has. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, it sounds totally crazy evil. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, so I think that was my favorite, like, actual dinosaur that was discovered. The most interesting 
scientific discovery that they got out of the paleontology of all this dinosaur stuff was probably mm-hmm. some protein that was discovered in a dinosaur bone. So I think last time we were on, we might have talked about how getting DNA out of a dinosaur bone is really unlikely. So the way you can do it is by like reverse evolution on a chicken. Did we talk about that at all? Ooh, yeah, I think we did. It sounds really familiar. Yeah. Yeah. So you could make. There's a guy, and he says he's going to make a chickenosaurus, basically. Oh, yeah, the chickenosaurus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that brings back some memories. <laughs> yeah. So that's Phil Curry, right? No, that's Jack Horner. Oh yeah, Jack Horner. Oh, was it? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Okay, I remember. Yeah, uh, came up with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's really cool, but. Um, Part of that is because it's so hard for DNA to get preserved over a really long period of time. And Mm -hmm. so they were really surprised when they found some of this protein that was actually preserved in a 75 million year old fossil. So, um, yeah, it was more or less by accident. They didn't have any real strong reason to think that this bone was special or anything. Um, Uh But they found some collagen and some amino acids and things like that that are pretty close to dna so yeah that's pretty insane because if you think about it they have to test everything like you said that one didn't seem to be too special yeah um so the fact that they test all this stuff and they you know they they dig it up and it doesn't look special it's pretty insane that they uh end up finding things years and years later like i can't i can't imagine how they do that yeah um yeah so another news story where they found something after a super long time is some things called melanosomes and we talk a little bit on our podcast about the science but i'm not gonna get into a lot of depth it's basically (laughs) these little proteins that are in any kind of um, hair or feather that give them their color so specifically they found both round and rod shaped ones and if it's rod shaped that means that it was probably a black feather and if it's round, it means it was probably a red feather, like a red-headed person like I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we can tell that some of the dinosaurs were those two specific colors based on the feathers. That's pretty insane, because I guess everything that we see, um, all these recreations and everything, it's just our own imagination, essentially. We're kind of guessing in a way. But now it seems that they're actually finding real discoveries of how these things looked for real. So that's really, really cool news, I think. Yeah, the it's really cool to see, especially like the black ones and the red ones, because usually they're depicted as like green, mm-hmm. I'd say, is the most mm-hmm. common, then maybe brown after that. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that goes with that is we still need to find a different technology if we want to find other colors. So like birds can be pink and blue and yellow and all sorts of crazy colors, but those don't yeah. have melanosomes going with them, unfortunately. So we're going to have to find something else that might have fossilized in order to figure out the color of... What if Dakota Raptor was just bright pink? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that would be pretty awesome. Yeah, it really depends, because don't some birds um, change their color depending on what they're eating? Like, isn't that like a flamingo? It just depends on what it's eating, right? Yeah, that's true. I think that might be... Maybe that's why pink... Yeah, it's caused by its food rather than these uh, melanosomes. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, so that's pretty interesting because uh, birds are all crazy colors and uh, I don't know how we can possibly guess what these dinosaurs were. Yeah. <laughs> and then the other just a 
quick aside is that birds can actually see a larger spectrum than people can and they actually have those colors on their bodies so it's like they have this whole other they see like into the ultraviolet a little bit and then they can see those colors and patterns on each other so some of the birds that just look brown to us actually have patterns on them but we just can't see them (laughs) oh my god you just like blew my mind all these birds i've been looking at this whole time are not brown yeah some of them at least (laughs) these simple um boring um seagulls that are just white are probably like fluorescent yellow or something that i just can't tell yeah it's pretty cool there were a couple um, discoveries that I thought was kind of funny. They got the nickname something related to hell. <laughs> um, so there was uh, Regaloceratops, which is a ceratopsian horned dinosaur, and that was uh, nicknamed Hellboy. And then there's Jianyuang <laughs> uh, Long, which is another, it's a dromaeosaur, so related to Velociraptor, and that one was nicknamed the Poodle from Hell. Ooh, that's not scary. <laughs> yeah. The artist's conception of it is pretty creepy, I'd say, oh, more than scary. Because it, it's like the size of a dog, but it's like, it had like wings, right? It has wings, and it's, they put it, they made it really colorful. So the top of its head has some blue and green and red, and then the tail was like orange and green and brown and white and black. <laughs> And then it's in a like a stocking position too. So. Oh boy, I gotta <laughs> check this thing out. Do you know where I can find this? Um, I'm looking at a picture right now on Forbes, actually. Okay. It's called "This Spectacularly Preserved Feather Dinosaur from China Is Related to Velociraptor." Oh. There it is. <laughs> yep. So definitely go search that because it sounds like an absurd, creepy dinosaur. Yes. Yeah. And let's see what else we got. Oh, there's also another one with wings called Yi Chi, which had more bat-like wings, which oh, is man. definitely yeah. an interesting so, one. And these these are all discoveries from this year, right? So, yeah. How, how is it, how do you guys think it's possible that you know we're discovering all this this wing information or feather information more recently than previously? I think that. Jurassic World, well, Jurassic Park, Jurassic World, um, has generated this new generation of interest in dinosaurs. And so you've got mm-hmm. a lot of paleo... I think we might have talked about this in the last... There's a lot of paleontologists now who grew up watching these movies and then became yeah. interested. And so that coupled with new technologies, mm-hmm. and um, I think at least in some countries are getting more funding, makes it easier to keep going and excavating these bones yeah there are some countries that are getting industrialized um and have specifically china and mongolia now have huge bone beds that are being discovered and say like 50 years ago there was nobody doing paleontology in those areas so oh then there's two different tracks that were found in the uk in scotland they found a hundred sauropod tracks Mm-hmm. All the way along, what was it kind of like a beach? I think they got yeah, washed I think, away. I think you're right. I remember that story. So that one is pretty cool because um, you can tell a lot of things from fossils, but there's also a lot of things you can't tell from fossils, like how many of them would live in a group, or what kind of patterns they moved in, or 
Um, how quickly they moved is kind of hard to tell, but footprints help you tell some of that stuff or if they were in a herd and stuff like that. And then the more interesting one to me was on a different part of the UK, they found tracks that they think are from a swimming stegosaurus. So they... Wow. Yeah. Wait, how, do you find, how do you find tracks from a swimming stegosaurus? <laughs> so it's the weirdest thing, and I'm still a tiny bit skeptical of it because it sounds just a little bit too crazy to be true, but apparently what it is is if you imagine you're swimming in, or I should say like you're going from the kiddie pool, kiddie part of the pool to the deep like diving part of the pool, and you're on that slope that slowly okay, goes yeah. down. As you're going, you transition from walking to like paddling and at some point you're kind of grazing the bottom of the pool even though you're <laughs> sort of swimming so they found tracks that they think are those they have the same they have stegosaurus footprints and then eventually they start to turn into these like more like stroke swipey sort of motions rather than being prints it's pretty weird but really cool and then they talk about they talked about how they thought it swam because it had really long hind limbs and really short forelimbs so it would have had to kind of paddle with its front legs but maybe it was kind of grazing the bottom with its back legs or something oh wow that's pretty they have some pretty cool drawings they came up with for that one <laughs> yeah i gotta see these it probably looks pretty absurd to see a, a stegosaurus swimming i want to see that but it you know it reminds me of either like a hippo or an elephant just uh, hanging out in the water. So I could see yeah. it happening. Oh, that's a good point, yeah. Yeah, and hippos really, those are one animal you don't want to mess with in the water, even though they look so goofy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know from personal experience, to be honest. Oh, oh really? No. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I was in Africa uh, this past year for my honeymoon, and we came across a hippo. And, uh, you know, we were just... Uh, walking around every now and then on our safari we would stop for drinks or just to hang out for a few and actually get out of the car and we walked over towards the water and we saw a hippo sitting in there and when you think of a hippo i don't know if you don't have any knowledge of them you think that they're just like calm nice creatures you know slow um but that's completely opposite yeah. they're pretty they're pretty angry and they're pretty fast so we were up on this ridge and the hippo decided it wanted to get angry at us, so it started oh, to show its mouth. So it started to, you know, have it wide open and then started to come out of the water and sprint up the hill. And that's <laughs> when our, our tracker and our guide told us to run. So <laughs> it was straight out of Jurassic Park. We all ran, sprinted back towards the, uh, the vehicle. Uh, but luckily, the, um, the hippo decided to go the other way. So <laughs> good. God, that must have been terrifying. Yeah, yeah, it was. And I was filming the whole thing. So I do have it uh, out there somewhere. <laughs> it's like Blair Witch Project style where you're like running. It was, and it's... exactly, yeah. It was a nice calm like footage of, of the hippo. And then he says run. And then all of a sudden it's it's dangling by my waist. and uh, <laughs> it looks That's funny. <laughs> so coming across a stegosaurus would probably not be beneficial to anybody. Yeah. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> that is for sure yeah i see this picture of this uh this hellboy one this one looks pretty awesome yeah yeah it's got the cool uh ornamental crown like yeah, yeah. i guess that's yeah. why they call it regalis 
I, I mean, yeah, it, it, it looks like a different version of like a Styracosaurus, right? Like the yeah. one that was mm-hmm. the good dino, uh, the good dinosaur. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> it had, uh, yeah, all those birds on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's this the same. pretty cool. They're both, uh, what do you call them, Centrosaurian. That's what it's called. When, or that's the group that has the fancy spikes around the frill rather the than just the, yeah. like a Triceratops is a Ceratopsian. Yeah. With the, yeah. The this one almost looks like it has sort of like Stegosaurus spikes around the outside, the way that they're shaped in a way. Yeah, it's very... they're pretty big. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, we have, uh, <laughs> do you want to? You... Oh, sure. There's also a Chileosaurus. And that one is related to T-Rex, but it was an herbivore. So that was kind of interesting. <laughs> oh, it's also nicknamed the platypus. <laughs> but it would definitely way bigger than a platypus. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> There's one that was nicknamed Super Duck. That's just a big uh, Sauralophus type. They're, they're getting really, um, I think they're just running out of names now, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's got a really like wolves and ducks and yeah, it's got a really long scientific name. It's Probrachylophosaurus yeah. because there's I'm one called. Looking... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say there's one called Brachylophosaurus, and they're like, "What do we call this one?" I guess Probrachylophosaurus because we think it's a little <laughs> bit older. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes sense then. I'm looking at this super duck here in. To be honest, I thought it was a horse at first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's got a really long head. Yep. Yeah, this is very interesting. And then there's one that is really hard to say. It's another hadrosaur. This one's from Alaska. It's like Ergunalik Kukpikensis, I think. <laughs> it's all like in Inupiat, so it's not easy to pronounce, but... Yeah. No. Yeah. Most most of them are pretty uh, difficult. <laughs> I don't even attempt usually most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. We try, but then for new dinosaurs, it's like, where do you even go to look up the pronunciation? Yeah. If they're brand <laughs> yeah. new, they'll sometimes uh, tell you where the name comes from, and then you can look up those words. But once they're like a couple years old, it's hard to find where the name even came from. And what else? Other Siberosaurus, which was a titanosaur that was found in Russia. There was the one called Pulanosaura, and that means rain lizard. I think it was found during a rainy season, so that partly contributed to the name. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen that? Uh, I I saw one a uh, Wendy Wendy something. Oh yeah, Wendy Ceratops. That one looks pretty interesting. Yeah, it really looks like it has um, you you know like you said the ornamental. Uh, horns or spikes around the outside but they kind of look like wilted in a way they look like they're facing downwards or kind of like <laughs> a little know, bit they, they look yeah they like lost their strength and they're uh they're basically like uh what was it um free willy how his how his uh <laughs> oh, thing the... just curled over oh yeah that's <laughs> true <laughs> but in the i'm looking at the image now or the illustration now too it kind of looks like they made this dinosaur also look proud in a way. I don't know something about that that yeah. upturned. <laughs> <laughs> one last one from last year is uh, Cephaponosaurus, which was found in South Africa, and it's a uh, I think it's a oh it's a sauropodomorph. Oh yeah, so it's basically very very early dinosaur, like early or like mid Triassic, and. Mm. There, there was this 
period when dinosaurs were first starting and they were going from two legs to four legs or you know, two legs huh. and two arms to four legs. Yeah. And they, they almost look kind of like, if you've ever seen that giant ground sloth thing, where mm-hmm. it's like so huge, but you could tell that it could like rear up with these big claws. So, yeah. yeah, that it's one of those where it has these hands that are like turning into feet and they're pretty important to figuring out how dinosaurs evolved. So those are always yeah, interesting. Definitely. Yeah, I guess if you can figure out that part, you know, you can sort of figure out how maybe they turned into birds and, and continued. So that's that's pretty cool uh, th- uh, uh, discovery there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I just uh, recently came across one. I don't know. It may have been, <laughs> it could have been from this year, 2016. But that uh, just the other day I heard that they uh, figured out a new, like their mating ritual or their, it was like sort of like a dance or something like that. I don't know if you saw that one, did you? We did. We're, we're covering it in our next episode, so we haven't oh, looked yeah? too much into it yet, but okay, yeah, yeah, they have, they may have had some sort of courting ritual or mating dance, as you said, that, that, ad- <laughs> you remember that show, uh, Dinosaurs, the, the Jim yeah. Henson? <laughs> I remember there was one episode called The Mating Dance. Do you remember that episode? <laughs> No, <laughs> it was like that is exactly that. That's how they attracted the mate, and then oh, I don't remember if it was the same episode. Where... Earl was like teaching his son the dance. That's I think what, is it, what was, it was. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty awkward. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess um, they they probably had to do it somehow, and uh, you know you see that with a lot of birds and a lot of other animals. There's always these crazy routines they go through, so. You know, I don't put it past dinosaurs to have some sort of crazy ritual like that. That's true. We were just watching a documentary about birds that show how they build their nests to mm-hmm. attract. And so one bird was using, like, all blue things, blue flowers, blue rocks or something. And then another bird decided to use deer poop. Yeah, he's got a ton <laughs> oh. of deer poop. But then mushrooms started growing on it, so it was constantly plucking them because <laughs> it was ruining his brown deer poop. <laughs> Poor guy. He picked the wrong thing. That I was, think he won, bitch. though, didn't he? he yeah, he? he was the one who got the mate. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, wow. I don't know. I, we're not birds, yeah. <laughs> Crazy birds. No, yeah, definitely not birds. <laughs> <laughs> the other notable mentions are the smuggling things that were in the news. Like, uh, early in the year, there was one at the Gemex show in Tucson, Arizona, where they everybody trades in fossils and minerals and stuff and a bunch of them were stolen so they all got exported but then the funnier one was just a couple months ago Nicolas Cage turned out to have bought a Tarbosaurus skull in an auction that ended up being illegally exported from Mongolia so that was kind of funny (laughs) yeah I feel really bad for the guy he seems to have a lot of troubles and he can't even uh (laughs) can't even hold on to his own dinosaur skull that he yeah. had that's that's sad yeah i thought it was really weird because tarbosaurus is basically only from mongolia and mongolia uh-huh. doesn't allow exporting of their fossils basically ever as a rule um yeah. so if you're buying a tarbosaurus skull it's almost definitely stolen so I don't even know how auction houses are auctioning it off because they should know that it's stolen. But in the news, everyone was reporting it was a T-Rex, so maybe the auction well, they were calling got it, confused. They were calling it Tyrannosaurus batar rather than Tarbosaurus batar, just kind of like Brachiosaurus versus, or sorry, Apatosaurus versus Brontosaurus. Um, oh, yeah. 
Just a different yeah, that, yeah, I can. I don't know about Nick Cage, like what kind of experience he has with dinosaurs. So maybe I could put it past him for not knowing. But for an auction house that's actually, you know, selling this thing, how, how do they not know? And that it, like you said, if it only comes from one area, how do you mess that up? Yeah. Well, I think they don't really care, honestly, because apparently they don't really. It doesn't affect them. If somebody buys something oh. stolen, Nicolas Cage just gives it up, and then they don't refund him or anything. So it's just. <laughs> To make it worse for him, he doesn't even get his money back. Yeah, and he's actually kind of lucky because if he was really unlucky, they could have said you should have known that was stolen because they only come from this area and then charged him with criminal penalties. Oh, but at God. least they're not doing that. Yeah, I guess he got off. I guess he got off lucky then. Just losing twenty million dollars or so. No, it was oh. two hundred seventy-five thousand. I think. Oh, okay. Uh, Still. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's taking every job he can these days, so. Uh, maybe he has not. Hopefully. <laughs> so with Jurassic World, people were still arguing about the feathers and the you know the way they're portrayed on TV, on uh, on the screen, um, and I still see arguing to the till this day about all of that. And uh, specifically, one argument argument was on my Twitter just recently. And uh, you know, do you think that it's um, it's incorrect for? Uh, the films to represent them in this way do you think that it's a disservice to the community of dinosaur fans and people growing up um you know knowing that this is how they look or this is not how they look because pretty much everybody that comes up assumes you know a t-rex looks this way a velociraptor looks this way all because of the movies so really do you think it's doing a disservice to the community by um portraying them the way they do in the films uh, it's kind of a tough question but I would say in general, I liked in what movie was that? Was that Jurassic World th or Jurassic Park three? I think when they were starting to add a few feathers, and they were yeah. doing a little bit. I like it when there's kind of a nod to the science. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think they're that far off though. I mean, we talked. I think we might have mentioned there were some uh, paleontologists that basically said Jurassic Park brought the science of the 1990s to a 1990s audience and then by contrast Jurassic World is bringing the science of the 1990s to a 2010 audience but it's still pretty close I mean they got all the posture right there are earlier movies where or like Barney where the tail's dragging on the ground and oh, where the yeah. dinosaurs are moving really slow or they're like in swamps or they're whatever all that uh -huh. stuff they did right so like T-Rex is moving in the same way you'll see it mounted at any museum it's all pretty yeah. correct in terms of posture and it also the, portrayed as pretty smart yeah and we saw some of the instructions that the um what do you even call those guys i guess like the directors of the velociraptor people like a puppeteer yeah but there were people acting oh, okay. it out oh, it's yeah. like yeah, an actor exactly. coach yeah. i guess and he was telling them to act bird-like and kind of jerk around and you could really see that when yeah. you're watching the movie so their i think their behavior was pretty close and they were having them kind of hunt in packs like people think they probably did and the only thing that you can really take umbrage with is a couple of the names are probably wrong and they they basically just scale everything up is the the gist of it. So Velociraptor ends up being close to Utah Raptor because they scale that up, but everything's bigger and it's a movie, so everything's yeah. bigger, whatever. Um, and then the feathers thing is like the only other big thing. Other than that, there isn't that much that's wrong in the movies. 
And I think it's good too to generate this kind of interest in dinosaurs and then we can see that people growing up, they continue to have this interest and continue to research and put more effort into it. Yeah, and it yeah. It, it doesn't take long to find out if you read anything at all about dinosaurs that oh, dinosaurs actually probably had feathers. Like and we're not even really sure how many of them did. Like we don't know if T-Rex had feathers all over its body like an ostrich or if it had, you know, big bear spots or it just had proto feathers or whatever. So it's not like there's a lot of science to show exactly what they did look like. I think okay. also people who are really interested in the dinosaurs are going to go out after the movie and look into it. Like, I have a three-year-old cousin who we spent a good chunk of Thanksgiving. <laughs> he was just telling us about dinosaurs and pointing out some of the things that were inconsistent with the movie. And he's three, and he can, he can pronounce <laughs> all of the dinosaur names. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I don't think they're missing too much. It's mostly just the appearance and, you know, they could add feathers. I I would be happy if they added feathers just because yeah. that's how I am. But it's I don't think it makes the movie bad. I don't think it makes it like a, a detriment to the scientific community or something like that. I think it's fine. It's entertainment. Yeah. It's a scary movie. It's not supposed to be like... You know, a monster science. movie, right? Yeah, and they exactly. do the whole thing where they're talking about how it's DNA mixed with all these things anyway. So they're not even pretending like it's a real dinosaur. It's not like they went back in time. They're making these fictional characters anyway. So exactly, that's that's one of the points in the movie. It says that they're creating monsters, that they're not physical representations of what they actually looked like, and uh, maybe people are just missing that point that they actually did point that out. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I still see people arguing about it to this day. And, you know, it's kind of a shame because, like you said, it's just a movie. And it does bring a better understanding to the entire community, I think, and a better, um, you know, knowledge, I think. I think everybody now, like you said, goes out and researches. And I know when I first started learning about dinosaurs, uh, you know, films like uh, Land Before Time and Jurassic Park both informed me about them. But then I went out and I got books and I got different things to learn about these these creatures. Yeah. So, like I said, it's a good way for people to get into the field or to to be exposed to it. Yeah, it's it's almost like saying you saw the movie like Cujo and now you think you know everything there is about dogs or something. Like you can't <laughs> you can't base a horror movie representation of an animal on like what the animal is actually like. It's not. It's never gonna match, and there isn't enough time in the movie to explain the whole thing anyway. Yeah, if you watch that movie, you would you would hate dogs yeah. in general. By the way, you would be terrified of them, and think they're all monsters. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I think that about wraps it up. Um, we definitely covered a lot of stuff, and I think if anybody wants to hear even more, and especially news through throughout 2016, they got to go find you guys. So where can they do that? Uh, yeah, best place is our website, inodino.com, and we have links of places you can subscribe to our co our podcast, such as iTunes. And also, we do regular blog posts that give you little snippets of the news of the week or summaries of our episodes. We will be releasing a book soon for the top dinosaurs of 2015. We did one for last year, so we're going to do it again. Awesome. <laughs> nice. So uh, when can they expect to see something from that? Oh, it might be a couple months. <laughs> yeah, as soon as possible, but it might. It, it, might, be, it might be a month or two, yeah. Months. 
but yeah, we'll it take some you know it takes a little bit of time to uh combine everything into one one book right definitely <laughs> awesome well thank you guys for joining me and uh i can't wait to have you back again thank you for having us we really like your show thank you <laughs> Something. I can't get Jurassic Park back online without Dennis Dendry. Incorporating all the latest technologies. We shouldn't be here. And there's five dinosaurs. How many Sarahs do you think are on this island? I received two great emails this week. And the first one up is from Andrew. He says, Hi Brad, my name is Andrew and I am a listener from San Diego, California. I love your podcast, and I am a big fan of the Jurassic Park franchise. I have a question about the end scene of Jurassic World, when the Mosasaurus takes down the Indominus Rex. Now, I had mixed feelings about the first time I saw it. I felt like it was a weak death because the Mosasaurus came in at the last second and helped out. I thought it would have been a lot better if the T-Rex had just taken the Irex down and claimed it for itself without the help of the Mosasaurus. How did you feel about that? Would you have rather had the T-Rex take the Irex out on its own? Or did you like the way it ended? Thanks, Andrew. Thanks so much for the email, Andrew. I really appreciate your love for the podcast. And I love the franchise too, so that's why I do this. Um, as for the end of Jurassic World, I think it still would have been tough for the Rex to finally take out the Indominus Rex once and for all. Now, uh, yes, both the Rex and Blue had the Indominus cornered, but the Irex was surely the stronger competitor. Um, and as you may remember, earlier in the fight, the old Rex was down for the count and would have basically been dead if it wasn't for Blue showing up and, you know, basically saving the day. Aside from that, I don't really think Blue had much of an impact on the fight, uh, really just aside from being a distraction for the Irex. Now, once they finally pushed her up against the Mosasaurus enclosure, and yes, she was pretty beat up at that moment, but I guarantee you she was ready for a comeback. I think adding the Mosasaur was really the only way for the old Rex and Blue to come out on top. Uh, the Irex was really just a monster and an all-out brutal competitor that just had every characteristic it needed to take down the Rex. Um, uh, thankfully, I think that you know the, the Mosasaur stepped in at the right moment and saved the day. Otherwise, it would have been kind of bad for our Rex, I believe. You know, at the end of the day, I'm okay with it because the Rex got out, you know, with a little bit of help from Blue and the Mosasaurus because it really means that she lived to see another day. Thanks, Andrew. The next email up is from Ethan. He says, Hi, Brad. My name is Ethan. I enjoy listening to your podcast. Jurassic Park is so awesome. I love hearing somebody else talk about my favorite movie of all time. I have a couple questions to ask you. Number one, which movie is your favorite out of the Jurassic franchise? Number two, do you like the Lego sets for Jurassic World? Also, did you think that the Lego sets were accurate to the movie? Number three, who is your favorite raptor? Thank you for putting on this podcast and talking about Jurassic awesomeness. Hey, Ethan, I totally agree with you. Jurassic Park is incredibly awesome. Now, I love being able to bring in people who love to talk about the films as well as reading emails like yours here on the show. Uh, now, let's get into your questions. My favorite movie out of the Jurassic Park series is Jurassic Park. Um, now, I first saw the film when I was seven years old, and uh, 
it's still one of my favorite films, films of all time. And it's something that you just can't forget when you're that little. Um, and I really don't think that feeling is ever going to change. It's always going to be one of my favorite films of all time. Uh, as for question number two, the Lego sets, yes, I did like them. Um, I thought that they had some really cool designs. Um, some of my personal favorites were the Indominus Rex Breakout set and the T-Rex Tracker set. Um, both were really awesome and uh, really fun designs, I think. But I don't think they were very accurate. I think you can tell just by looking at them. Um, they just built models that were fun to play with, really. Unless they had some sort of insider information as to a different plot line or something like that, which I don't, I don't know if that's true. But um, it, it really looks like something that could have came either before or after Jurassic World. If you take a look at that T-Rex tracker. Um, that's something I'd love to see in action in film or on TV or some, you know, some way. I'd love to see how they either captured the Rex for Jurassic World or how they intend to capture her after Jurassic World. But anyway, otherwise, aside from maybe the bigger sets, I feel like the characters looked well, the, the, the Raptors looked well, the Indominus and the T-Rex, they looked fine. Um, but I wouldn't say that the overall sets were, were similar to the movie. Um, let's get to your third question here. It's, who is my favorite raptor? Now, if I'm picking straight from Jurassic World, I'm going to go with Blue. Now, I really didn't get enough time with the other raptors to choose another one. Um, if I had to, I think Delta would probably be second on my list. Um, if I'm choosing a non-Jurassic World raptor, I'm picking the big one from Jurassic Park. I, I absolutely love the old design and how scary they were and how intelligent they were from the start. Um, so I think these are some, some really good picks here from Jurassic World going with Blue, from Jurassic Park going with the big one. Um, hopefully you agree with those. I don't know. Maybe you do, maybe you don't, but they're some of my favorites. So anyway, thank you so much for listening, Ethan, and it's always great to hear from you guys as listeners. Um, if any of you want to write in, you can email us at JurassicParkPod at gmail.com, or you can actually call or text us at 732 825 7763. Mommy's very angry. This is in the pit and snake man. No, I'm I'm simply saying that life uh finds a way. Is that good? You find it? Fantastic. Just the parts they didn't like. I believe I've spent enough time in the company of death. Hang on, this is gonna be bad. So, do you remember a few minutes ago when Sabrina and Garrett mentioned that they were working on their top 10 dinosaurs for 2015? Well, they actually sent me over a preview of their work, and I'm going to read off a portion of it. Now, this is some really great stuff, and I really don't want to give it all away in this segment here uh, for this dinosaur specifically. So, I'll leave it up for you guys to search it out. Maybe I'll be able to post it for you guys. Um, if not, you can just wait until they post it on their own. Um, now, you heard them talk about it earlier, so here's a little bit more from Dakota Raptor. The air is warm and the ground is moist, almost spongy. Dakota Raptor Steiny takes slow, deliberate steps, keeping the sickle like claws on her second toes off the ground. They are large. Nine and a half inches or 24 centimeters long, big enough to slash and kill a decent sized meal. Dakota Raptor is scouting the area for potential prey. At 18 foot or 5.5 meters long, 
with long legs that allow her to reach speeds of 30 to 40 miles per hour or 50 to 65 kilometers per hour. She doesn't have to worry about being attacked. But she does still need to be cautious. She has traveled only a short distance down from her upland territory. But she is now in T-Rex territory. Then she spots one, standing by a nearby ash tree. Dakota Raptor pauses for a moment, considering her options. The T-Rex is larger than her, but not yet fully grown. She may have a chance at intimidating it. The Tyrannosaur turns and sees her, and Dakota Raptor acts quickly. She opens her jaws, revealing a mouth full of sharp teeth, and spreads her wings, which extend three feet from her body. Though she's too large to fly, her wings are big and bright. The T-Rex growls and takes one step closer to Dakota Raptor. Dakota Raptor doesn't back down. She takes a few swift steps and flexes her sickle claws, preparing for flight. Thanks guys for sending that over. It sounds so fantastic reading through it. I can't wait to hear more of it. Um, and hopefully you guys uh, got enticed by that as well. I'll make sure to release what I can for now, but stay tuned and I'm sure you'll find out more info from their top dinosaurs of 2015 soon. Thanks for listening to the 34th episode of the Jurassic Park Podcast. I just want to thank Sabrina and Garrett from I Know Dino, the Big Dinosaur Podcast. They put on an awesome show every week, and you can actually find me on their show this week. Make sure to go follow them on Twitter, at I Know Dino, and go listen to their podcast on iTunes or wherever podcasts are found. You need to subscribe to that show and listen every week. Also, a big thanks to Andrew and Ethan, for sending in their emails this week. It's always great to communicate with listeners like that, so keep sending in your awesome emails. If you want to interact with us, we do most of our work over on Twitter, at Jurassic Park Pod, or you can find us on Facebook now at facebook.com slash Jurassic Park Podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram. We are the Jurassic Park Podcast. You can listen to us via iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Podomatic, and YouTube, so make sure to subscribe. Now, don't forget to give us a five-star review on iTunes or a glowing review wherever you may listen to the podcast. It will seriously help out our rankings and make it easier for fans like you guys to find us. We're also usually spotted commenting on the Jurassic Park subreddit as Jurassic Park Podcast. Don't forget to check out our show notes for all the links you've heard here today. If you want to get a hold of us, you can email us with any news stories, MP3s, segment ideas, pictures, top tens, or comments to JurassicParkPod at gmail.com. If you'd like to record something for the show, send it in to us and we'll feature it in an upcoming episode. If you don't have any way to record, you can give our voicemail a call and leave us a message, or you can even text us now. That number is 732-825-7763. Thanks for listening, and enjoy. Five minutes. Drop what you're doing and leave now.